0: Hey everyone, it's Jess. Before we start the episode, I wanted to give a content warning. In this episode, we talk about drug use, drug abuse, and overdose. It happens at several points throughout the episode, so if that is a topic that you would rather avoid, I recommend just skipping this episode entirely. And that's okay, we'll see you in the next one. Take care of yourselves out there, bye. everyone and welcome back to RPG R&D. I'm one of your hosts, Jess Geyer. I'm one half of Wannabe Games and I make tabletop role-playing games. And I'm here, as always, with my co-host, Craig Campbell. Hello, Craig.
1: Hi, Jess. I am Craig Campbell. I am both halves, um, all four quarters of Nerdburger Games um, and I make tabletop games as well, role-playing games. And we are here with our guest, Jason. Hello, Jason.
2: Hello, uh, my name is Jason Pitt, Genesis of Legend Publishing. I'm actually one half of Genesis of Legend Publishing, now that we have an in-house editor. Ooh. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it's a pleasure to be here again.
0: Yeah, thank you for joining us. Very good to have you back. Um, we, You are the one who suggested our topic for today's, uh, both our jamming portion and our game design portion. And I think that uh, it, it sounds very interesting. I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting into it. Um, you suggested the idea of relationship webs. And I saw in our email thread that we got some clarification from you on what that, what does that mean? Uh, Jason, do you want to explain what a relationship web is?
2: Uh, certainly. Um, as a foundational piece, what is a relationship? Why do we care about relationships? Fundamentally, in role-playing games, we have Characters dealing with the environment, the fictional environment, and characters dealing with characters. That's it! Those are the only two modes we've got. Um, So, how characters deal with other characters is based on the relationships, or lack thereof, they have with those characters. Relationship webs are simply how you structure the relationships between characters. To uh, provoke drama, to make for interesting role-playing, uh etc so uh i wanted to bring the topic to the table so we could talk about the ways that relationship webs uh can both be used from a designer perspective to make for interesting games in dramatic situations and uh to spice things up for the uh game master because when you don't know where things are going let's make a complicated messy relationship is always a great (laughs) go-to
0: very true
1: um yeah i hear that quite a bit from uh like showrunners and screenwriters and so forth that like particularly in long-running shows where you know when in doubt we'll tear these two characters apart or we'll put these two characters together or we'll have these two characters have a feud or or something um that brings drama to the story um that's (laughs) just character character
0: related um for this character forgets the entire relationship that you've had altogether, amnesia. Oh no! Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, I've been. Uh, I got. I was. I found myself curious, and I decided, okay, I'll check it out. And I started watching some a show that I never watched before, um, from this first season, Grey's Anatomy, which is mm-hmm. like, and I'm watching, it and I'm like this isn't as relationshipy as people talked about or like making a big deal out of it like this is no worse than ER or any other medical drama where the characters have personal lives but then it's all this medical drama and after a few seasons I'm like no nope, no nope, nope. This, this is totally a relationship show that also <laughs> happens to be um a medical drama um it's heavy heavy on relationship Um, to the extent that it's, you know, things are dynamic, things are constantly changing. So I'm interested to see what, uh, we all have to say and and what Jason's kind of take is on dynamic, um, character webs as well. Is that like, how, how do these webs change over time?
0: Yeah. Another thing that you had mentioned was this idea of asymmetrical and symmetrical relationships. You want to go into that before we like dig into some of the nuts and bolts?
2: Right. Uh, so, uh, which hat should I be wearing first designer or game master
0: <laughs> I mean I feel like for this one there's going to be a lot of overlap but I feel like the the place where people are mostly engaging with the characters um is from that GMing point of view right that's where they're most hands-on most people will have you know I'm like sure we should consider this as a game designer but most people are going to have the experience to latch on from that from that GMing point of view
2: right so uh fundamentally there's multiple axes of character relationships one of the simplest one is um is this the same relationship or a different relationship between the two people so for instance let's say jess and i are siblings we share the common relationship of siblings
0: I mean, as a sibling, though, there is definitely a difference between being an older and a younger sibling. I'm sure you're going to say that, but oh, I have older. to say it. As the older sister, I have to say it. <laughs>
2: um, then you can get asymmetrical ones. A slightly asymmetrical one is um, a bitter older brother <laughs> versus uh, uh, enthusiastic younger sister okay <laughs> yeah, they're slightly different mm-hmm.
1: um
2: and that can go very far in the asymmetric um direction so uh one example that came up uh with in another example was um so I am uh secretly in love with Craig nice <laughs> uh Craig is my drug dealer
1: Oh, that's a problem (laughs) that's going to make the love connection very difficult because oh yeah yeah (laughs) yeah my my wheels are spinning at that at the moment because it's like you know like how many different directions that can go because it's all a question of how either one of us um deals with either one of those two situations and also how those two coexist with one another or how they you know how they work well work together or how they are at odds potentially
2: and jess is my uh subordinate and jess is craig's sister
0: okay so yeah now we have a really <laughs> messy triangle of
2: <laughs> so so you know that your sibling is dealing drugs to your boss Mm-hmm. But you don't know that your boss is pining after Greg. Mm.
0: Yeah, I can <laughs> see it. like already there. You don't even have to like, you already get some characters that have stakes within what you might be doing. Like if this is a, if we're doing like a burn after reading type escapade, um, you can already see how this will play out. You can kind of let it go. It really does remind me of Fiasco. And if I if I recall in our email thread, I think you dropped that name. Yep. Like, it really does remind me of that. And for a game like Fiasco, where, like, there's not a GM, there's no, like, plot that you're necessarily following. Um, but those character motivations and connections are what drive the story. That's, like, the primary focus of that. And if you have a game like that, you need to make sure that there are those connections. And we'll talk about that for sure when it comes to the game design aspect. But, yeah.
2: So that does a heck of a lot of heavy lifting. So let's do the analysis of what we just pulled together. So uh Jason has a asymmetric relationship with Craig of uh in love with drug dealer. Jason has an asymmetric relationship with Jess of uh but it's a it's a less asymmetric because it is a um boss it's just, subordinate it's, it's vertically axis yeah
0: vertically rather than horizontally asymmetrical
2: uh jess and craig have uh identical symmetrical relationships of siblings so
1: until you... until jess finds out that jason is in love with his drug dealer yeah <laughs> and that might very much change yeah uh, boy oh boy so See, now I'm
2: writing the short story, but continue, so, please. Yeah. <laughs> we just managed to make a dramatic situation with exactly four relationships and three characters, and we're not even saving the world yet. No, no, <laughs> like th- this, and this is some plebeian, simple stuff. There are games where you're running off of. Um, Grace Anatomy style, you know, a dozen characters, each of which which has three or four different relationships and history. And oh my, yeah, this can go very deep. Um, but fundamentally, this is a very powerful tool. Um I, I'm tempted to call this the garlic of uh GMing.
0: <laughs> you can never have
2: enough. um but some people won't won't appreciate um more than uh 40 uh distinct relationships i mean i think it's perfectly fine but i understand it can be a little a little potent for folks
0: it can also maybe be a little bit a lot to handle for a gm if you are balancing if a lot of those relationships are coming from the npc end um It's it's enough. Like as a, as a player, like you just have to kind of balance what your own reactions are and interactions are between you and the other characters, which is a which can be a lot. But you know we do that in our daily lives without thinking about it at all, and it's not that much more of a lift as a player. But then as the GM, you're not just thinking about you know the you You have all of your NPCs. So you're probably playing more than one character, sometimes more than one character in any given scene, whereas a player is going to have one. Um, and you have to think about the relationships between those characters and the relationship between those characters and the player characters. So there's a lot more to like kind of keep track of as the GM. And if you really want to exploit those, I think it's going to take a little bit of a, I don't know, your own mini HR department in the form of a notebook.
1: Um, it feels like too, that if, if you get to the point where you have a lot, certainly keeping track of them becomes a challenge for the GM. And so we're kind of thinking too, like, what, what can we, what can we suggest? What are things we can talk about as far as the GM kind of handling all of this sort of thing, especially if it gets, if the players really get into it and they keep, you know, like the web gets stickier and stickier and thicker and more complex, um, is, is to think about like what in a given situation that you're presenting whatever the storyline is that you're you know like the characters are fighting the supervillains or they're you know taking on the megacorps or they're um you know political machinations what are the key um strings within that web that will create the most interesting twists to this particular storyline and kind of focus on those for a little while. The players will continue to think about like what their own characters relationships are and they'll they'll make decisions based off of things and they might interject things that are like, oh yeah, that's this is happening because my character feels this way about this other character or I know that this other character feels this way about mine. Um, but you'll be able to, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with backburnering um some mm. of the relationships and just kind of rotating through them as they're most uh useful to whatever whatever storyline and that happened you'll you see that happen in serial television anyway like they'll they- kill
0: off a character
1: look <laughs> <laughs> kill off characters they they back burner stuff they just have like well these characters had this thing going on and we we focused on that for this two-part episode it was essential part of the story while you know they were also saving line saving lives at Seattle Grace Hospital um But then, you know, like we we know that relationship still exists, and it's kind of it it might crop up and get alluded to every so often. But like in the next episode, they're doing something else, like so, and that's not terribly different from you know multiple adventures of just like okay, now for this adventure, we're going to make sure that we really play up the the in love slash drug dealer aspect, and uh, we're not you know we're gonna we're gonna let that be built into the story.
2: So, there's a fascinating thing about when you kill off a character. <laughs> so, how does this affect the relationship web?
0: I mean, the, the feelings there are going to, like, if you killed off Craig's character in our situation, um, things are going to change immensely for the two of us. Um, I have lost a sibling, and you have lost somebody that you were in love with. Like, that, that's obviously going to affect our emotions. Also,
2: I'm going through withdrawal.
0: And you're going through withdrawal. Like there's going to be a lot, <laughs> but if you died, I would be out of a job, and that's it. Like that would be like <laughs> really. <laughs> I would be out of job. Um, and 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 Craig would need to find maybe another customer. I feel like uh, but if I died
2: too overdosing, too overdosing off of the supply that Craig gave me, oh, oh no! At
0: I feel like we're just, this is this is a great soap opera.
2: Yep. So, um. <laughs> There's two ways to look at it. Either you rip out the character and you have the ragged ends of relationships, just fl- flapping in the wind, or alternatively, you can say that um, the character in the relationship web is there. It's just uh, the the deceased Jason,
0: mm. and
2: you still have the all those relationships. It's just they're with the dead person. And the it continues to tug on the relationship web.
0: And then you can also go through, like, you can have a whole plot where you're trying to clean up the mess of like, oh, well, if they found out that, that Jason, the head of this big, huge corporation that we all work for, um, was secretly getting into some illicit crimes, we might need to cover that up before we all get in trouble. Or maybe yep. I had been exploiting you, I'd been blackmailing you based off of the information that I learned and i need to make sure none of that blackmail gets out like there's a little bit like you can definitely it depends on the the themes of the game like if we were playing a straight-up romance style game um the corporate espionage might not come into it but if we were playing something like we're all we're all dirty crooks and thieves
2: yeah. then
0: then you would really want to play into those aspects so i think as a the gm then like obviously you're not going to have relationships in your game that don't really match the themes like if if you are playing like a uh, happy-go-lucky fantasy. You're probably not going to have the themes, that, the connections that we just came up, came up with. However, Most likely not. <laughs> um, you know that's that's a thing too. Like character death. We've talked about it on the show before. Um, I I always have felt when a character, especially a player character, um, or like in a, a main NPC dies in a game that I've been playing in, I always feel like I'm left hanging when we don't get to sort out the rest of what happens after somebody dies. Like why it's not like their entire lives go away. Like you were saying, Jason, they're like their, their role in the world is now a vacuum and bad things or good things can happen because of that. And I think that taking that time to explore will also give you as a GM, like, Oh no, this, this player, this player's character, who was, like, the pivotal piece in my adventure, is now dead. Uh, that dragon was too strong. Oh, no. But we have a game where I'm not going to bring them back, and I'm not going to do any oopsies. Um, <laughs> I can take some time now. Like, oh, well, who's coming in for the funeral? Let's let's take a little bit of a break and see what's going on with this. And I'll figure out what we're going to do, because the Chosen One's dead now. Later. Like, I'll, I will give me. And... I think with games like that, like with with sessions like that, you'll also have the characters want to do way more role playing without necessarily you having to do a lot of roles and planning and and throwing stuff at them. They're going to be more interested in talking at each other. Um, If those are the types of players that uh, (laughs) some players don't want all this messy relationship stuff. But um, if you are, let's make the assumption that they they are interested and are getting hooked on it. They're going to be talking. Uh for the so next maybe if, whole session.
2: If you don't want those to be at the at the center of a game, but you still want a bit of the spice, you can set up these relationships with NPCs. So you just know about this triad uh of people, this messy triangle of Jason, Craig, and Jess. But your adventurers doing this corporate espionage espionage over there, and you just see like little snippets into their dysfunctional relationships. So one hybrid design and GM technique I use, uh, my game, uh, Sig Manual of the Primes, is designed explicitly with uh, relationships as one of the central mechanics. You create the characters. And then you create NPCs in the middle of each pairing of characters. Uh, So I share an NPC with the uh, player on my right and the player on my left. Uh, And each of those characters is defined by their relationship with our respective PCs. That's how we know each other through a proxy. And session one is, and that character has been murdered. So, you've got one uh, central person who everyone knows, every um, everyone has relationships with, and was murdered. And then you have a cast of NPCs that are acting as narrative glue to hold the players together. So, there's a lot of interesting stuff you can do there.
0: I think it's also... Something like this makes the average dungeon delve too a little bit more exciting. Like, you know, you pick up a supplement, you pick up a little adventure module, and you're just like running it from the book. You really are relying on to make the game like more interesting role playing wise. You're really relying on the players to kind of be engaged with each other and not necessarily even with the story, because maybe maybe there's no real good place where you can um tie those links in, but giving them the relationships together is just going to make the dangers of a oh, we're going through this dark, dangerous cavern. Um, it's going to make that a little bit more spicy to use your word. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um. So now that we've talked about how these can be used, let's dig into a little bit more about the kinds of relationships we can be talking about. So symmetrical versus asymmetrical is a really strong axis a lot of us pay attention to that another axis is stable versus unstable
0: mm.
2: so for instance uh sibling that is a pretty stable relationship you're unlikely oh. to stop being siblings
0: you do you have a sibling
2: it can change <laughs> you can change types of siblings but you're still going to be siblings <laughs> Um, siblings who aren't talking to each other perhaps um, however a drug dealer in love with is a very unstable relationship
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, you can't expect oh yes this will keep going for the next 30 years this is going to collapse it's going to be messy <laughs> just uh, the
1: nature of, of that particular pairing you can almost predict that it will happen. If it was a TV show, it would happen during sweeps. Yeah. Or in a two part episode or at the you know, season finale. <laughs> um um yeah, so... for, for, for anything unstable that they almost like I would think players in the GM almost have to kind of expect that unstable. The whole point of having, or at least a large part of the point of having an unstable relationship set up is for it to at some point implode.
2: So, basically, um, you can put a lot of stable relationships without distru- disturbing much, but unstable relationships will, will cause drama the moment you focus on them, basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, some other axes. Uh, what is the kind of relationship? Is this a familial relationship? A professional relationship? A romantic relationship? Uh, A ideological relationship? Do we share political beliefs and we're both fighting for team uh, uh, purple (laughs) at the chariot races? Um, So what sort of category of relationship are we talking about? Is, is it a positive, a negative, or a neutral relationship?
0: And also thinking about, like, the power dynamic between them two, which yep. can sometimes be positive or negative.
2: Yep. Um, how transparent is a relationship? How do other people know about this relationship? Because there is a very different relationship. There's a very different dynamic between... um everyone knows that craig is a drunk dealer everyone knows that jason's in love with craig
1: except probably craig
2: uh, or <laughs> everyone knows that J- jason's in love with craig except for craig <laughs> these are three different states which have radically different narrative and fictional outcomes
0: could, well could also be everyone knows jason's in love with craig except for jason
2: there you yes, go. that is also really good. I love that one. No, I just need the drugs. That's why I need to stay near you.
1: Um, Never mind the fact that you come over and buy the drugs and just want to hang around yeah, like, yeah. all the time. Well, as long as I'm here.
2: How are you doing? I just need another fix. You're looking well. Did you do your hair? Um. Yeah. So and uh the duration of these relationships. Uh if we've been uh drug if you've been dealing me drugs for a week or dealing me drugs for five years after my terrible car accident, like those are different situations. And they've sort of anchored uh for longer. So there's a lot of different different criteria and different axes through which you can have these um, relationship webs, these relationships. So knowing the different ways that you can establish these gives you a lot of options. And of course, the most important aspect of any relationship web is when you pull on the relationships. So It's called a relationship web because everything is connected to everything else. So let's say uh, Craig is out of town and gets into a terrible car accident. No one's heard from Craig in a month. Suddenly, Jason and Jess are in very different emotional states uh and have different practical concerns Jason's going into withdrawal and uh the police might be constantly dealing uh with uh Jessica so
0: yeah my my brother has just vanished and I'm like I don't know where he is who knows um, <laughs> don't look at my files there's no blackmail happening don't worry it's so, always
1: the sister it's always the sister
2: <laughs> so at that point you can look out for another level of relationship. Because I'm certain me being in withdrawal, both emotionally and chemically, is disrupting all of my other relationships. Likewise, um, uh, Jessica might be uh, in a romantic relationship, and that romantic relationship is being disrupted by the constant you know, the police want you for another interview. Mm -hmm. Um.
0: So, or our parents get involved, yeah.
2: Parents get involved,
0: or
1: she dedicates all her time to a campaign to find me and sits putting up posters all over town all the time because Jess loves Craig. I mean, you know, like the fictional Jess loves her brother, (laughs)
2: yeah. (laughs) Um, so by tugging on one character, you're uh, you have second order. That, well, first order impacts on their direct relationships, and second order impacts on their indirect relationships. So you can see the impacts ripple through the web. Um, so one thing that that I do occasionally, um, when I'm uh, running a game, is I will look. I'll, I'll just gently keep track of which characters have been, um involved in various situations I'll look for a portion of the web that's been mostly undisturbed (laughs) and then I'll find the character who I can pull on who will have the most impacts on those characters it lets me say let's move the focus over here and uh, bring up this other domain of drama allowing this other thing to sort of fester (laughs) Mm-hmm. um so i find it very useful for shaping the dramatic drama of play making sure all the characters are involved um because sometimes player characters will be more connected with one portion of the web than the others so you're actually shifting the spotlight as well to ensure that certain players at your table get more time
0: I like to do that by, I don't like to like tug on those or do anything like that, like remove pieces. I always prefer to add m- more pieces in. Oh, <laughs> That's uh, why I suggested you, let the adding, the additional parents come in. Um, you Craig's, Craig's yeah, fiancé oh, shows up. Oh, jeez. <laughs> uh,
2: note <laughs> that tugging on relationships doesn't necessarily mean remove the character. Um, Adding a character does just as much. Any state change or an existing character, or the addition of additional relationships that were fictionally already there, we just didn't know about them,
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, is totally fine. Um, but yeah, no that that is that's some powerful tech. One of the corollaries is, however, um, a best practice is the um, law of conservation of NPCs. <laughs> I like that. Whenever you are trying to introduce a new character, first, look at all of your existing characters and see if there's any sensible way that you could reuse one of them and add more weight onto the, that existing character. For instance, uh, we only know if uh, is um, a mentor for uh, Jimmy, the boy in the mailroom. But we don't know. Jimmy is otherwise unconnected. So when we're looking for the person hired to cause a uh, mysterious car accident in Atlantic City, well, maybe it's Jimmy. Maybe Jimmy's connected to the mob instead of creating a new mob hitman. So, try to, whenever possible, try to concentrate your relationships on existing characters before making new characters. Um, in part because that makes it a lot easier to keep track of. Because keeping track of a dozen characters versus a cast of hundreds... uh who here knows everyone in Game of Thrones? Like everyone?
0: <laughs> oh, me! Obviously, I'm such a Game of Thrones head. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's called A Song of Ice and Fire, by the way, but it's fine. It's fine. If you I really was know only talking the about show, one. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> then actually, maybe I'm. I uh, maybe not anymore, but when I used to, actually, you obsessed. <laughs> until until uh, the final couple seasons came around of the show. um, no, I think that I think that that's exactly spot on, especially if you're playing a game like where you have stat blocks for NPCs and you have to be Ugh. kind of precious with them. Like save yourself the energy whenever you can. pull a jimmy and and if you need someone to fill that role, take them from your already established cast of characters it's going to be richer for the everyone's going to know them already unless it's like super necessary to have a stranger that no one has like a specific connection to you can usually get away with something like that um i think the only time that that gets a little bit difficult is if you have a game with like a lot of intrigue like mystery detective fic um that can sometimes accidentally create plot holes or red herrings that then the PCs chase around for several adventures while you're trying to like direct them any other way um but at those points like in those kinds of games you should probably already have your they're they're usually shorter lived like one mystery is usually like okay maybe a couple sessions maximum um you know because there's a reason why mystery fiction like novels themselves are first of all not super long and second of all the one mystery will be solved by the end it doesn't continue through a series um so you should have your suite your cast of characters already pretty well established before and you shouldn't have to be adding them so you can focus on those relationships beforehand um yeah i would just be really careful of the the plot hole aspect
2: yeah fundamentally the law of conservation is think about your existing characters first then if no existing character will fit the bill, then make a new one. The second half of that said of that sentence is just as important. Yeah. Um, and being able to make characters and interesting characters is a skill.
0: We talked about this a little bit on our, our previous episode, in fact. So go back and listen to that one.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, I think I think too, if you find yourself in the position of needing to um to create that character because they, they like I've, I've come up with these couple things maybe one happened a while back and now one has happened again and I'm adding characters and it's starting to get a little more complex a little trickier to handle as a GM now there's there's a lot of different points on this web all this interconnectivity that you can look also critically at um the characters the NPCs that you have and say you know well you know is there one of these NPCs that's been around for a while that is no longer necessary that's just not cr- you know, like the the the, uh, the players aren't really latching onto as much as they once did, um, or uh, you know, like now I've got like this new shiny thing that everybody seems to really like, um, and uh, uh, you, you you can start to shift that way, and you can take that character out, kind of slowly, you know, kind of phase them out of the story, or you know, in games where characters die and whatnot, then you know that's a great way to uh as Jason said tug on the string is like okay well now this character gets killed and that has its own reverberations through the web for a time um and then it you know kind of settles back into okay well now this is the new dynamic with all these characters with this one person gone and this new character
2: back yeah so now that we've focused a lot on how this can be used uh dynamically from a GM lens There's some interesting um, game design topics on this as well. Mm -hmm. So we previously mentioned Fiasco. And that was intentionally designed with relationships at the fore. A lot of this is actually derived from LARP uh, design. Uh, Because um, who here would be comfortable running a 60-person tabletop role-playing game? (laughs)
0: <laughs> Absolutely not. But a large now, sure.
2: no No. <laughs> thank however, you. making a game that has five different factions, uh each of which has uh 10 to 15 members, uh and they're all they all have relationships with each other, you make a, dram- a dramatic mess that way. And you can make 60 characters, toss them on the table, And have people just get at it. Um, They have a lot of experience with using relationships. um, Almost as a teacher's assistant for the GM.
0: (laughs) No, I think that's a really apt way to think about it. It gives them, like, there is something. When you LARP, especially if you're playing like a really big kind of LARP. The thing that keeps the characters busy are the other characters when you are not there is monster camp and like interacting with them and throwing out NPCs at them, which does happen, but there's only so many of you and there are so many of them. You need them to like they need to be doing their own thing and entertaining themselves for a good portion of the game day. Um, especially again, especially if you're playing like a weekend LARP, you're camping overnight, you're all outside, everyone's spread out through an entire campground. There is not going to be a GM with them every step of the way. They they are making their own drama. I would always make my own drama. I would always like <laughs> <laughs> I, I loved doing that. I loved like causing drama between people, spreading rumors. Like, if you if you get you get one player on board with you to do that kind of stuff and that's even better that's a that's a double teaching assistant you got a teacher's pet out there that's that's worth its weight in gold
2: so they can sort of run on the background and they will drive drama so you can plan those ahead of time and then just release them into the wild like feral cats uh so yeah that's a powerful tool Uh, Parlor LARPs use this quite often. And there has been a long history of R-maps, relationship maps, in game design. I'm trying to recall when the first one sort of cropped up. I want to say Sorcerer, but I'm not sure. Um, But formal, like, here's the diagram that shows how all of these characters are connected to each other. Um... Is a potent tool for a designer um, because uh, I mean, Apocalypse Worlds uh, encourages people to uh, make uh, PC and NPC, PC NPC triangles. Hmm. Um, or is it NPC NPC NPC? I can't keep track of wh- where that triangle <laughs> is supposed to be. But basically, make tri- dramatic triangles of relationships. Um, So, paying attention to that on its own is useful. This is doubly so for games that include actual mechanical um, considerations of relationship strength or existence. For instance, in Fate, aspects for relationships can have mechanical bearing. You can tag an aspect, invoke an aspect to gain a bonus on on a particular role. You can likewise. Um, one of my favorite games in this domain is actually the game Prism by Whitney Delagio. Prism is a undersea undersea uh, sea folk game about relationships. Uh, and I believe Whitney also highlights, uh, sexy pinup art. Um, <laughs> so in that one, you effectively have how, uh, a track on how balanced your relationships are between the two people. So if it's healthy, you're near the middle. If it's unhealthy, codependent or, uh, abusive, it goes to one of the extremes, so you're actually keeping track of exactly how is this relationship going, and uh, having mechanical impacts on that is fascinating.
0: Yeah i i i i think that there are a lot of really cool games out there that use like the for, to use the Apocalypse world terminology they use the links between the characters. Um, Kind of like as a currency of the game, like you can use these within the game to do things and you can use them as the GM to make other things happen, make moves on those links. Um, I think it would be really fascinating to see a game that like, oh, you do this move and you're going to destabilize this relationship or you're going to change this relationship somehow, I think would be a really fascinating, especially if you're trying to do a really character relationship web centered game. I think that there's a lot of cool ways you could force that, for lack of a better word, force that to happen mechanically within the game. Uh, I think I've also played like, um, Ninth Level Games has this game called Women Are Werewolves, which I feel like does a really, it sets it up automatically for the character relationships to, uh, like you develop the relationships between this family um, before everything even starts and that color is, like, having it there before you set up, like, the actual plot of the game, I think gives the gives the characters, like, it gives the players, not the characters, but it gives the players, like, this mind space of, oh, this thing is important. This is what we're talking about. Um, so even, like, within the the setup of your character creation, where you're putting that step of creating those links, I think it can, can do a lot for your game.
2: Yeah, it... it... So there's ways that you can affect a relationship. I I adore the idea of, oh uh I am going to burn my relationship with you to get a bonus on this yeah. particular task. <clears throat> um or conversely, I do a thing and now that burns the relationship. I made mm-hmm. a bad decision.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um,
2: bioware style. Um
0: <laughs> no one liked that.
2: <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that that's fascinating. Uh, in Apocalypse World and a number of PBTA games, the strength of the relationship affects how much of it, how much they can help you mm-hmm. or hinder you. Um, some games you will actually mechanically make uh, or break relationships. So you can say, "I am going to make a brand new relationship here because I want." To have a contact in the city guard, so I'm going to roll circles to determine if I have a relationship with someone there. And oh, look, now I have a mechanically, mechanically relevant relationship fantastic! Um, it, it's such a potent tool. Um, so yeah, I, I think that it's valuable for people to turn their minds to ways that they can use relationships as a design service just as much as, as they can use it as a dramatic lever
0: um what are some of those what are some specific tools we as game designers can use and steal um sometimes <laughs> wholesale into our own games to allow this sort of stuff to happen are there other we've talked about Prism. we've talked about apocalypse world and powered by the apocalypse style games what other games are out there that do a good job with relationships
2: that's a great question, just because there's so many of them. Uh, He's looking at a bookshelf right now. Yes. <laughs> um, for instance, uh, okay, let's point at Wander Home, uh, mm. where you will set up very specific, like, actually, I think this is what the primordial form of relationship, which is of this is basically the bond, the relationship where you're documenting how characters have relationships with each other as play begins. That is found in uh, Apocalypse World, Dungeon World, Wander Home, uh, you name it. It's a very common technique, but it does a really good job of situating people and avoiding the, well, you all meet in a tavern because you're all alcoholics. (laughs) here's your quest um so I think that's a very important piece you um nobilis is actually quite strong with this uh in that they have uh npcs that are connected to um I believe it's the chancel uh so the group of pcs are effectively reporting to an npc So, those relationships, both between the characters and with uh, their superior, act as a wonderful framing device. Uh, All of the games in the Romance Trilogy from Emily Care Boss um, are fabulous. Shooting the Moon, Breaking the Ice, and Under My Skin. Um, Special shout-out to Under My Skin... Uh, in that that one is a basically a polyamorous relationship drama Larp mm. which has so much to so much Tech in there you can lift um. What else? What are some other good ones?
0: Um, I I would recommend Good Society by Um, Like built right into the game is all of the relationships. Like your family background is super important. You have a secret desire that usually involves other characters. You have relationships all like there as part of your character. They're not side things. They are your character. And I think that that was a really interesting way of, um, you know, I mean the the regency era period drama style is not a, it's not really about the plot it's all about how the characters are interacting with each other um and those relationships especially the family dynamics are really important to that game
2: uh i also love i think among my pbta games uh sagas of the icelanders is my favorite on this well, domain
0: the first time i'm hearing of this one oh really yeah it's an old <laughs> one
2: uh, It was. Contemporary to Monster Hearts 1. Mm. Uh, Maybe a little bit afterwards. Uh, But the basic principle is you're all playing um, settlers in an Icelandic uh, steeding. So the playbooks are the man, uh, the woman, the shield bearer, uh, the child, etc., and one of the interesting things there is they actually have gendered moves. Uh, so uh, men can't think things through, but they can defend their honor and uh, like they can they can be proactive, but they have no direction and they just make problems and disasters women can goad men to do things but can't do them m- themselves mechanically so you get really like it's a really interesting social commentary about how broken the gender uh binary uh can be for characters but that's a that's a sidebar they do really <laughs> good relationships um especially since these are role based uh you know you are the uh, the uh, what's the name of that title? Like the the child and uh, the man, you have a de- uh, relationship defined right there, and you get currency based on exchanging gifts, uh, and using these relationships. So. The child can give the man a shiny rock that she found on the beach, and that will give her currency because they have a uh, father-daughter relationship. Hmm. Like, there's a lot of real interesting stuff there. Um. Oh, and Monster Hearts, obviously, Monster yeah. Hearts.
0: Yeah, I, <laughs> <like>, I, <laughs> I thought, like, when you said it was a contemporary to Monster Hearts, I was like, did I miss him saying Monster Hearts in the first place?
2: Uh, so Dream of Perk, Dream Askew. Also quite good.
0: I think that there are a lot of LARPs out there. Um, I know we mentioned LARPs before, but there are a lot of LARPs out there that um really make good use of the relationship mechanics between characters. Um, especially if you if you want if you want a game that's much more um relationship driven rather than mechanics driven, I think that that is probably where you're going to get the the biggest wealth. Of either player guides, like oh here's how you could play this game here's how you should play this game um or like like ideas for connections between characters and what the characters are doing um i think that those are some some good places to look um i i feel like you could also like even if you were making your own game and you were just interested in importing some mechanics um I feel like with the Powered by Apocalypse games, it's a really simple system to do. It's just the links. Like, you choose a link with another character from a set list. Um, you can make those links yourself and then bring them to your table as, like, a, you know, all all game designers are, are or all game masters are game designers to one degree or another. Um, but if you're, like, looking to just introduce these sort of things to, let's say, your um D group who's only ever played D start bringing in these things from other games and saying oh this is where this comes from in this other game let's try out this mechanic um let's add it into our game i think that those are all good places to start for sure
2: the uh the easiest lead-in that i have uh, particularly for a uh, game related to dungeons and or dragons uh is you can create easily create a mechanic that says uh make a uh charisma role if you want to find one of your contacts or relationships uh that might help you with X problem. Mm. And then when you're interacting with them in the future, you can make various roles and uh, to determine if this character has something that is helpful or complicated, based on their relationships and the details of their relationships.
0: Yeah, even with that, like that binary pass fail mechanic the D and D has, like you could like, oh yeah, you you roll well on this charisma roll, you do get somebody who's helpful. You roll poorly on this, and you get an enemy. Uh, like those those things could also. Pr- get- give you a little bit of a lift away from the GM when it comes to like, I don't know what I'm going to throw in here next. Uh, I think that that could be fun.
2: And if you make it a, um, you can do things like you can only uh, reach out to find someone who shares uh, some aspect of your character. So someone from the same background, someone from the same religious group, Uh, A soldier can find another soldier, but they can't find an artisan, so they need to find someone they know who can find an artisan, that kind of thing. Um, And quite frankly, just giving them the ability to say, look, you can solve your problem with this shiny new tool. Go do it. Oh, by the way, as a side effect, you're making a relationship web for me? Thanks.
1: (laughs) Um, and for for groups that like to you know they want to see um like how does this benefit me like they want they're looking for the the min max right the the way that this is going to get them something is you know you have you could you could adapt a lot of the things that we the ones that uh, Jason has talked about here and Jess has talked about into the mechanics of another game. Even if it's D and D, you can be like, well, we, you, you know, you forged this relationship. Now you have a string or a link or whatever you want to call it between you and this other character. And, um, while that's intact, you gain like a plus one to your roles to do stuff that draws upon that relationship and you can get a plus five but you have to burn the relationship in the process mm. like you have to do something that's going to tick this person off or drive them away or destroy the relationship in some way and that just you know like so the player that just wants you know like a plus five is great and we really need it right now so i'm going to do this but then you know now you've just like invented drama for the gm you know, you know, so now you person GMing the game um, has you've been handed this this succulent dish of like some drama that the player got because they just wanted a plus five I mean
2: I also like the idea of um, basically weaponizing carousing by saying (laughs) uh, if you have a for every relationship you can spend you know a silver a gold etc and increase your healing your normal healing rate because you, the more time you spend with your relationships and invest into your relationships, the better, the faster you recover from the stresses of dungeon crawling.
0: I think you could even turn that into something. Okay, I love secret roles, I love secret relationships. It's my favorite thing. Um, and I'm always trying to figure out ways I can add them into my games and in, into the ones I run and the ones I design. Um, you could have a mechanic where, like, the healing—the healing factor that you're able to give somebody—is based off of the strength of your relationship, and you can only reach a certain number of heals um, when you're like in love with them, like if they're your soulmate or whatever. And you, as the GM, could be like, "Well, yeah, you're giving this person like, pl- like you're you're healing the max every time, every time." Um, isn't that weird? <laughs> <laughs> <It's> so strange.
2: <laughs> uh, especially if it is based on the magnitude of the relationship, not the direction.
0: Oh yeah, that would be so funny. <laughs> like, are they in love like, with me? No, I hate you with a passion. And that yes. is why I'm so good at healing. But
2: you. I'm get I'm healing you. I hate that I'm healing you. Why is this healing so effective? God damn it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that could also that could insert some drama too. Maybe it is the situation. Maybe then they can get together. Like, do I actually hate this person or am I secretly in love with him? And that's why I'm so obsessed with him. Like you yep. could do so much fun stuff with that. Oh, uh, I'm gonna make a healer class that's like that now
1: (laughs) the the, the potency of their healing is entirely dependent upon how they feel about you
0: yeah i think that that would be really fun to do uh i think you could also um like you could insert that into a solo game like if you are you're the town healer and maybe you roll randomly for how powerful this healing is and that tells you something about their relationship and then you could just like like oh i'm I have I'm only rolling like once every time that I'm healing this this person with but like so what's this relationship like can this change does it change as I continue the story of my solo adventure I think that that could be a, a an interesting dynamic I've a lot of the solo lar- uh, solo, LARPs, solo role-playing games that I've played um, you're kind of on your own as the player to determine like what your relationship with these is with these other characters I think having a little bit of randomness in there could be fun. Or so, maybe maybe the healing is based off how they feel about you instead. Oh, sorry. I'm just like obsessed now. <laughs> oh,
2: but, oh there, there's a lot of things you could do there. Um <laughs> yeah, how they feel about you, how you feel about them. Um, so are you saying that you would roll once for Farmer Julian and seven hit points is the the amount that you heal with Farmer Julian. So therefore farmer Julian's relationship with you is
0: yes.
2: is exactly. always going to be this. <laughs> Until it changes?
0: Until it changes, yes. Until you do something in the game that would, like, impact that relationship. But until
2: then, you always heal seven.
0: Yes. Yeah. Mm.
2: That is sharp. (laughs) And then maybe, like,
0: maybe as you're playing, like, then you can do the thing, like, oh, I want to do better on this role, so I'm going to take a point out of my relationship with Farmer Julian. Or I'm going to add a relationship with my, add a point of relationship with Farmer Julian to see what I can, like, you could do that breaking thing I think that would be really that and would work when, really well and when
1: will Julian notice yeah that your relationship has changed
0: is dwindling like yeah. oh I feel way less refreshed today <laughs> what's going on are you mad at me <laughs> yeah, 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 I love it
2: I mean uh it's a little aside but feel free to cut this out but um I came up with a fun little magic system that involves yeah so magic for wizards involve requires you burn relationships Hmm. either you can burn the relationship that you have with someone so you forget about the relationship but they remember it oh you burn the other way so you remember it but they forget or you burn it both ways neither one of you remember it it's gone
0: that's painful i love it
2: especially because if you do one of the first one then this person has to reteach you that you're married
0: Uh, (laughs) oh i would not be married anymore if my wizard husband burnt my entire relationship for like a cool fireball be like oh i guess i'm single now screw you
2: yeah yeah (laughs) but like if you if if you come to an agreement um there's a fun little dynamic in the time traveler's wife where non-chronological conversations so the wife is talking to the future husband, and then meets the young husband who doesn't know about the stuff in the future. So they're, they have different levels of information at different times.
0: That's so fun, yeah. Like, There's oh yeah, of, you can yeah. use our relationship, but it's gonna be it's gonna be rough for another yeah, couple yeah. Of months. That would be really fun to play. It, it has to be uh, worth it. Yeah. And yeah.
1: Jess, your uh, your healing and relationship um Solo game is called Mending Hearts.
0: Oh, oh I didn't right. know that existed. Now I want to play it.
1: <laughs> no, no, I'm saying that's what you should call it when you design oh. it this week.
0: Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. I have other, I have other things I have to do, but maybe that'll okay. be the next on my list
1: next next month.
2: <laughs> uh, there is also a game called The Mending Circle, which is quite excellent. um That I think might play in some of that same territory, but anyways, mm. <laughs> fun,
0: uh, fun, 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 fun. Jason, this has been very interesting. And now I have some cool ideas and <laughs> uh, I, I I hope that we've armed people with enough knowledge on these relationship webs so they can start implementing them into their own games and game design.
1: Um, or even seek out games that have them, if that's what you're looking to do, too. If you're looking, I'd I really love to GM a game that has this sort of thing. Well, Jason just gave you like, what, 15? Yeah. To go check out? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. just use this one as a little primer and get your reading list ready to go. Uh, Jason, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Thank you very much for having me.
0: Where can we learn more about you and your stuff?
2: Well, you can learn more about me uh, generally at genesisoflegend.com or .ca uh, or at the RPG Design Panelcast. Uh, where, coincidentally, we also just released an episode about spinning relationship webs. So you can go check that one out as well.
0: Ooh, some further listening. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you can find me uh, at wannabegams.com or on Twitter at, at Jaska or other social media at, at Jaska. And that's all I have to say for today.
1: <laughs> and you can uh, find me at Nerd Burger Craig on the various social medias uh, my website is nerdburgergames.com and the games are at drive through rpg um nerdburger games is going to be at packs unplugged um when this comes out that'll still be like a week or week or so yeah. away so uh yeah swing on by and say hi
0: Uh, Thank you to our opening and closing theme song, which is Avel by Steph Sacks, licensed under Creative Commons. Thank you, Steph Sacks, and thank all of you for listening. We'll see you back here next time. Bye-bye. bye Mm -hmm.
2: bye